Chapter Forty, Part Two of Principles of Geology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Principles of Geology by Charles Lyell. Chapter Forty, Part Two. Agency of Insects every plant observes wilkie has its proper insect allotted to it to curb its luxuriancy and to prevent it from multiplying to the exclusion of others thus grass in meadows sometimes flourishes so as to exclude all other plants here the falina graminus bombex gram with her numerous progeny finds a well-spread table they multiply in immense numbers and the farmer for some years laments the failure of his crop but the grass being consumed the moths die with hunger or remove to another place now the quantity of grass being greatly diminished the other plants which were before choked by it spring up and the ground becomes variegated with a multitude of different species of flowers had not nature given a commission to this minister for that purpose the grass would destroy a great number of species of vegetables of which the equilibrium is now kept up in the above passage allusion is made to the ravages committed in seventeen forty and the two following years in many provinces of sweden by a most destructive insect the same moth is said never to touch the foxtail grass so that it may be classed as a most active ally and benefactor of that species and as peculiarly instrumental in preserving it in its present abundance a discovery of rolander cited in the treatise of wilkie above mentioned affords a good illustration of the checks and counterchecks which nature has appointed to preserve the balance of power among species the phalena strobilella has the fir cone assigned to it to deposit its eggs upon the young caterpillars coming out of the shell consume the cone and superfluous seed but lest the destruction should be too general the ignumen strobilelle lays its eggs in the caterpillar inserting its long tail in the openings of the cone till it touches the included insect for its body is too large to enter thus it fixes its minute egg upon the caterpillar which being hatched destroys it entomologists enumerate many parallel cases where insects appropriated to certain plants are kept down by other insects and these again by parasites expressly appointed to prey on them few perhaps are in the habit of duly appreciating the extent to which insects are active in preserving the balance of species among plants and thus regulating indirectly the relative numbers of many of the higher orders of terrestrial animals the peculiarity 
of their agency consists in their power of suddenly multiplying their numbers to a degree which could only be accomplished in a considerable lapse of time in any of the larger animals and then as instantaneously relapsing without the intervention of any violent disturbing cause into their former insignificance if for the sake of employing on different but rare occasions a power of many hundred horses we were under the necessity of feeding all these animals at great cost in the intervals when their services were not required we should greatly admire the invention of a machine such as the steam-engine which was capable at any moment of exerting the same degree of strength without any consumption of food during periods of inaction the same kind of admiration is strongly excited when we contemplate the powers of insect life in the creation of which the author of nature has been so prodigal a scanty number of minute individuals to be detected only by careful research are ready in a few days weeks or months to give birth to myriads which may repress any degree of monopoly in another species or remove nuisances such as dead carcasses which might taint the air but no sooner has the destroying commission been executed than the gigantic power becomes dormant each of the mighty host soon reaches the term of its transient existence and the season arrives when the whole species passes naturally into the egg and thence into the larva and pupa state in this defenceless condition it may be destroyed either by the elements or by the augmentation of some of its numerous foes which may prey upon it in the early stages of its transformation or it often happens that in the following year the season proves unfavorable to the hatching of the eggs or the development of the pupa thus the swarming myriads depart which may have covered the vegetation like the aphids or darkened the sky like locusts in almost every season there are some species which in this manner put forth their strength and then like milton's spirits which thronged the spacious hall reduced to smallest forms their shapes immense so thick the airy crowd swarmed and were straitened till the signal given behold a wonder they but how who seemed in bigness to surpass earth's giant sons now less than smallest dwarfs a few examples will illustrate the mode in which this force operates it is well known that among the countless species of the insect creation some feed on animal others on vegetable matter and upon considering a catalogue of eight thousand british insects and arachnidae mr kirby found that these two divisions were nearly a counterpoise to each other the carnivorous being somewhat preponderant there are also distinct species some appointed to consume living others dead or putrid animal and vegetable substances one female of musca carnaria will give birth to twenty thousand young 
and the larva of many flesh-flies devour so much food in twenty-four hours and grow so quickly as to increase their weight two hundredfold in five days after being hatched they arrive at their full growth and size so that there was ground says kirby for the assertion of linnaeus that three flies of m vomitoria could devour a dead horse as quickly as a lion and another swedish naturalist remarks that so great are the powers of propagation of a single species even of the smallest insects that each can commit when required more ravages than the elephant next to locusts the aphids perhaps exert the greatest power over the vegetable world and like them are so sometimes so numerous as to darken the air the multiplication of these little creatures is without parallel and almost every plant has its peculiar species Remur has proved that in five generations one aphis may be the progenitor of five billion nine hundred four million nine hundred thousand descendants and it is supposed that in one year there may be twenty generations mr curtis observes that as among caterpillars we find some that are constantly and unalterably attached to one or more particular species of plants and others that feed indiscriminately on most sorts of herbage so it is precisely with the aphids some are particular others more general feeders and as they resemble other insects in this respect so they do also in being more abundant in some years than in others in seventeen ninety three they were the chief and in seventeen ninety eight the sole cause of the failure of the hops in seventeen ninety four a season almost unparalleled for drought the hop was perfectly free from them while peas and beans especially the former suffered very much from their depredations the ravages of the caterpillars of some of our smaller moths afford a good illustration of the temporary increase of a species the oak trees of a considerable wood have been stripped of their leaves as bare as in winter by the caterpillars of a small green moth tortrix veridana which has been observed the year following not to abound the silver y-moth plusia gamma although one of our common species is not dreaded by us for its devastations but legions of their caterpillars have at times created alarm in france as in seventeen thirty five remur observes that the female moth lays about four hundred eggs so that if twenty caterpillars were distributed in a garden and all lived through the winter and became moths in the succeeding may the eggs laid by these if half of them were female and all fertile would in the next generation produce eight hundred thousand caterpillars a modern writer therefore justly observes that did not providence put causes in operation to keep them in due bounds the caterpillars of this moth alone leaving out of consideration the two thousand other british species 
might soon destroy more than half of our vegetation in the latter part of the last century an ant most destructive to the sugar-cane formica saccharivora appeared in such infinite hosts on the island of granada as to put a stop to the cultivation of that vegetable their numbers were incredible the plantations and roads were filled with them many domestic quadrupeds together with rats mice and reptiles and even birds perished in the consequence of this plague it was not till seventeen eighty that they were at length annihilated by torrents of rain which accompanied a dreadful hurricane devastations caused by locusts we may conclude by mentioning some instances of the devastations of locusts in various countries among other parts of africa serenaca has been at different periods infested by myriads of these creatures which have consumed nearly every green thing the effect of the havoc committed by them may be estimated by the famine they occasioned st augustine mentions a plague of this kind in africa which destroyed no less than eight hundred thousand men in the kingdom of massinissa alone and many more upon the territories bordering upon the sea it is also related that in the year five ninety one an infinite army of locusts migrated from africa into italy and after grievously ravaging the country were cast into the sea when there arose a pestilence from their stench which carried off nearly a million of men and beasts in the venetian territory also in seventeen forty eight more than thirty thousand persons are said to have perished in a famine occasioned by this scourge and other instances are recorded of their devastations in france spain italy germany etc in different parts of russia also hungary and poland in arabia and india and other countries their visitations have been periodically experienced although they have a preference for certain plants yet when these are consumed they will attack almost all the remainder in the accounts of the invasion of locusts the statements which appear most marvellous relate to the prodigious mass of matter which encumbers the sea whenever they are blown into it and the pestilence arising from its putrefaction their dead bodies are said to have been in some places heaped one upon another to the depth of four feet in russia poland and lithuania and when in southern africa they were driven into the sea by a northwest wind they formed says barrow along the shore for fifty miles a bank three or four feet high but when we consider that forests are stripped of their foliage and the earth of its green garment for thousands of square miles it may well be supposed that the volume of animal matter produced may equal that of great herds of quadrupeds and flights of large birds suddenly precipitated into the sea the occurrence of such events at certain intervals in hot countries like these severe winters and damp summers returning after a series of years 
in the temperate zone may affect the proportional numbers of almost all classes of animals and plants and probably prove fatal to the existence of many which would otherwise thrive there while on the contrary the same occurrences can scarcely fail to be favorable to certain species which if deprived of such aid might not maintain their ground although it may usually be remarked that the extraordinary increase of some one species is immediately followed and checked by the multiplication of another yet this does not always happen partly because many species feed in common on the same kinds of food and partly because many kinds of food are often consumed indifferently by one and the same species in the former case where a variety of different animals have precisely the same taste as for example when many insectivorous birds and reptiles devour alike some particular fly or beetle the unusual numbers of these insects may cause only a slight and almost imperceptible augmentation of each of these species of bird and reptile in the other instances where one animal preys on others of almost every class as for example where our english buzzards devour not only small quadrupeds as rabbits and field mice but also birds frogs lizards and insects the profusion of any one of these last may cause all such general feeders to subsist more exclusively upon the species thus in excess by which means the balance may be restored agency of omnivorous animals the number of species which are nearly omnivorous is considerable and although every animal has perhaps a predilection for some one description of food rather than another yet some are not even confined to one of the great kingdoms of the organic world thus when the raccoon of the west indies can procure neither fowls fish snails nor insects it will attack the sugar-canes and devour various kinds of grain the civets when animal food is scarce maintain themselves on fruits and roots numerous birds which feed indiscriminately on insects and plants are perhaps more instrumental than any other of the terrestrial tribes in preserving a constant equilibrium between the relative numbers of different classes of animals and vegetables if the insects become very numerous and devour the plants these birds will immediately derive a larger portion of their subsistence from insects just as the arabians syrians and hottentots feed on locusts when the locusts devour their crops reciprocal influence of aquatic and terrestrial species the intimate relation of the inhabitants of the water to those of the land and the influence exerted by each on the relative number of species must not be overlooked amongst the complicated causes which determine the existence of animals and plants in certain regions a large portion of the amphibious quadrupeds and reptiles prey partly on aquatic plants and animals and in part on terrestrial 
and a deficiency of one kind of prey causes them to have immediate recourse to the other the voracity of certain insects as the dragonfly for example is confined to the water during one stage of their transformations and in their perfect state to the air innumerable water birds both of rivers and seas derive in like manner their food indifferently from either element so that the abundance or scarcity of prey in one induces them either to forsake or more constantly to haunt the other thus an intimate connection between the state of the animate creation in a lake or river and in the adjoining dry land is maintained or between a continent with its lakes and rivers and the ocean it is well known that many birds migrate during stormy seasons from the seashore into the interior in search of food while others on the contrary urged by like wants forsake their inland haunts and live on substances rejected by the tide the migration of fish into rivers during the spawning season supplies another link of the same kind suppose the salmon to be reduced in numbers by some marine foes as by seals and grampuses the consequence must often be that in the course of a few years the otters at the distance of several hundred miles inland will be lessened in number from the scarcity of fish on the other hand if there be a dearth of food for the young fry of the salmon in rivers and estuaries so that few return to the sea the sand eels and other marine species which are usually kept down by the salmon will swarm in greater profusion it is unnecessary to accumulate a greater number of illustrations in order to prove that the stations of different plants and animals depend on a great complication of circumstances on an immense variety of relations in the state of the inanimate worlds every plant requires a certain climate soil and other conditions and often the aid of many animals in order to maintain its ground many animals feed on certain plants being often restricted to a small number and sometimes to one only other members of the animal kingdom feed on plant-eating species and thus become dependent on the conditions of the stations not only of their prey but of the plants consumed by them having duly reflected on the nature and extent of these mutual relations in the different parts of the organic and inorganic worlds we may next proceed to examine the results which may be anticipated from the fluctuations now continually in progress in the state of the earth's surface and in the geographical distribution of its living productions end of chapter forty part two